is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 466, recorded Thursday, November 2018. No, that's not right. November 28th, 2019. That's correct. November 28th, 2019. Yeah. Welcome to the program, everyone. And a happy Thanksgiving to all the Americans out there, because it is indeed American Thanksgiving this weekend. Tomorrow will be the Black Friday. I guess it is, yeah. But all the shopping seems to have started today, or maybe even earlier. Yeah, they do that. We do that as, you know, in solidarity with our American brothers and sisters. <laughs> we also have Black Friday for some reason. We spend all our money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I have not made any Black Friday purchases. Uh, I probably won't. I can't think of anything. I might get some coffee tomorrow. Does that count? Nope. Grocery shopping? I don't think so. No, those are Uh, regular purchases, it sounds like. New TV? There you go. Now you're talking. Okay, all right, good. New TV. Do it. Do it. I uh, got a new TV six weeks ago, and there's some indications that I should have waited, but I'm not going to pay attention to that. No, that's that's a, a personal policy I have. As soon as I buy something, I stop looking. As soon as you buy something, you stop shopping. I stop shopping for it. I stop checking on the prices. I stop looking into just the general category of whatever I bought uh, so that I don't see prices go down and go, oh, damn it, there's a sale. I should have done that. Yeah. Well, that's a good policy. Anyways, uh, to all you Americans or anyone else uh, celebrating Thanksgiving this weekend, have a good one and enjoy your weekend and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, so just before we get into the listener feedback for the mid-season finale of The Walking Dead, I thought I would mention the ratings as I am prone to do. And this episode got 3.21 million, Jason, which is the second lowest for the season. Wow. Like what the hell, people? You're supposed to watch the season finale more than the rest of the episodes, not less. You've got it all wrong. People are fickle. Who the hell knows what they're thinking? I know. It's it's also Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving. Maybe they were all out making travel plans to be with their families. Maybe, but it was the whole week before. So if it was this weekend, I could see that being a problem. Well, that's why, I mean, they're making their travel plans, right? Sunday night, it's like, oh, shit, Thanksgiving's coming up on Thursday. I forgot to book my flight. Yeah. And then that's what they're doing. It's like, okay, I can't watch The Walking Dead right now. I need to book my flight and rent a car. And <laughs> oh man, I got to buy underwear because I don't have any underwear to bring. Oh my God. My parents are going to be so disappointed if I screw this up. Or not bring underwear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it, but 3.21, second lowest of the season. And I expected it to go up and be higher, but no, it's down. Which is unfortunate because, you know, if you listened a couple days ago, you know that I thought this episode was almost entirely fantastic, except for one little bit at the end. However, (laughs) I think after we do our listener feedback on this episode, um, my mind is going to be changed a little bit. Not entirely, but a little bit. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Why don't we get into the feedback and see where it goes? Sure, sure. Listener feedback. We are going to start our feedback with an email from Andy, who's getting ready to jingle my bells in the UK. Good luck. (laughs) I feel the same. Andy writes, well, what can I say? I wasn't convinced by the Whisperers as a credible threat when they first appeared, but under Angela Kang's expert handling, they've become a fantastic, menacing force. I've loved how the true extent of their plans were so slowly revealed. This last couple of episodes has finally made me excited for the show again. It's been years since I felt that way. I love that the show finally feels like an ensemble piece again after becoming the Rick, then Negan shows for uh, for way too long. We didn't even see or hear about Negan or Eugene's radio buddy or the King's illness all episode. So much good content to come. Have a great Christmas, you guys, and all the fellow listeners. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it. I think the point about it being an ensemble piece again has 
been the case for some time now. Like almost ever since Angela Kang took over, mm-hmm. she is incorporating all of the characters just in such a better way and it feels so natural and we don't miss out on anybody for long periods of time. And by long, I'm talking about like seasons of time, you know? It feels like Daryl wasn't even part of the show for forever. Yeah, it really did right? feel like that. And he's back and it's good and everything pretty much is good. So uh, great to hear you're enjoying it, Andy. I totally agree. Yeah, me too. All right, next we have a call from Amy on the internet. I feel like the opening of the mid-season finale was a cleanup of the previous episodes. Okay, so Lydia didn't know Dante because he joined the group after uh, she was taken by Hilltop. So why would he be so trusted by Alpha? Because of the barn, I guess. But why would he be okay with Alpha lying about killing Lydia? Given the choice between the group to join, why choose the Whispers? Who doesn't want the creature comforts? Well, you know, I get that. And I think the people at Alexandria were sort of thinking that their um, lifestyle would appeal to some whispers. That's what they were going for with the prisoner, right? At least thinking uh, about. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's why they brought out all the jam. Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't want all the jam? Oh, I want all the jam. Uh, but it's even what Lydia suggested too, right? This is a powerful idea you've got here. Maybe you can use that to start getting to people and, you know, splintering the whispers apart a little bit with it. But, uh, you know, I was otherwise pretty satisfied with the explanation of what Dante was doing, how he got into it, and I never really questioned that he wouldn't follow Alpha that way or just sort of go along with her plan. It it felt like it worked for me because I think they were setting that up all through the Whisperers that, you know, people just follow her through fear and her intimidation and stuff like that, and... uh if, if, if Dante was new to the group, we don't really know what happened to him immediately before joining. He might've been in an extremely vulnerable, uh, situation, maybe emotionally. So he was looking for anything to like be around people again. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe that story about his son was true and just happened. It could be. Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, I, you know, why not? Like he could have had a son, could have lost him to the walkers and, and he's just looking for anyone to connect with and he'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, I, I would think so. There you go. Uh, Michael in London writes, I absolutely love this episode. And I think the paranoia of who may be who and who can be trusted is excellent. This episode made me feel as if I was watching a human version of the thing. How do we know that anyone is really who they say they are? What is the Oceanside vetting process? And how do they know who's, uh, how do they know those who had previously arrived anywhere can be trusted? This episode genuinely had me questioning everyone who exactly was who and whether or not anything we have seen in this series is as it's meant to be. Even Gamma promising to deliver the horde to Aaron can be interpreted either way, that she showed our group where they are or that she somehow has led them to their near demise. Mm-hmm. Can't trust anybody. No, you can't trust anybody, really. Anyone could be a... I mean, I, I imagine the main group of characters are probably not traitors, but like anybody uh, who's new or who we yeah. don't know very well, you just can't trust their motivations at this point. I trust Judith, and that's about it. You don't trust uh, <laughs> Michonne and Eugene and Rosita and Aaron and... Well, Eugene's kind of odd. Rosita, maybe... Okay, so yeah, our core group of uh, characters, yes, obviously I trust them. But I mean, even if you are on the cast for a couple of years, it doesn't mean I'm going to trust you. I'm still, you know, I still believe that Enid was a spy. And how many seasons was she on the show? Three? (laughs) Oh, well, long enough to uh, hopefully trust her, but you still don't. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're either born to someone that was in the main group or you joined the group around season three, uh, then I trust you. But that's about it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, well, even Judith has been around since uh, season two. Was right? she born in season two? <sighs> I, might, I think, no, she was born in the prison, so that was season three. Oh, yeah, right. Right? So, uh, but I, I believe Laurie was pregnant in season two. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, either way, Judith has been around for quite a while now. She yeah, is. Okay. So I trust her. I, she doesn't have to, I don't have to make an exception for people being born to people, people I trust. She was, she was actually there. No. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think Michael, you know, makes a good point that it's, it's a testament to what we have going on with this show in terms of writing and storytelling at this point. They're, they're putting doubts in all our minds about what people are doing and, if we can trust what they're doing at all. And I think that's, that's great. You know, I mean, as we said, there's, there's some characters you just know that are going to behave in one way and certainly aren't going to turn their backs on other characters, but there's still a lot of people on this show. And when a new person shows up now, how can you possibly trust what they're doing because of the track record of others and what we've seen? Uh, that's right. And that's true in life. Well, I guess so. Right? Like you meet somebody, it's like, yeah, I don't know about you. It's going to take a while for me to know about you. But if you knew them from like grade four, then you know about them. Well, that's true. I have some people in my life that I've known for almost all of it. And I feel like I've pretty much got them figured out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I met as adults, right? Yes, we did. Uh, so, and that's been uh, going on 18 years now, something like that. Is it 17 really? 17 years. Yeah. 2003, 2002. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm starting, <laughs> I'm starting to get used to you. I'm starting to believe that uh, you are who you say you are and that you're not going to murder me in my sleep. Well, I mean, it does take a while with me. I can understand that, but I'm glad you're getting there. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, Michael, I really, uh, I really think we should watch the thing. Have you, when's the last time you watched the thing? It's been a long time. That's a Christmas movie, right? We should throw it on. I'm going to throw it on. Is it? Not right now, but later. No, it, I don't know. It takes place in the North Pole. That's Christmas enough for me. Oh, <laughs> it's in the North Pole, so Santa is nearby. Yeah, if it's in the North Pole, it's a Christmas movie. I don't care if it's the summer. It's the North Pole, people. Yeah, it's yeah. a Christmas movie. Well, listen, over the break in the hiatus, do you want to watch The Thing and then talk about it here? We could do that. I like that idea. You know what? I'm not sure I've ever seen it all the way through. I have seen parts of it, I have for sure, but I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched it start to finish. So that could be a fun exercise for us if you want to do it. I, I, I'm in. All right, cool. We're maybe going to review the thing over the hiatus, everyone. That'll be exciting. That will be exciting. All right, next we have an email from Jennifer in Minneapolis. Uh, so she has two unrelated, unrelated comments. The first one, Father Gabriel quoted the Quran at Sadiq's funeral. I thought that was a really nice touch. Thoughtful of the character and the writers. And, uh, the next comment is around the return of the orange backpack. Okay. Maybe not the orange backpack, but still this is significant. The original orange backpack came from a hitchhiker. Rick Carlin Michonne refused to help in season three. It was a brutal ending to one of the show's best episodes. The backpack was used by Glenn to escape the prison with Tara by Daryl. When he and Rick met Jesus, by Carl, who brings supplies to Sadiq after their first meeting, and lastly, by Rick to leave Alexandria after Carl's death. It is no coincidence that Virgil now carries an orange backpack. I believe this uh, is a callback to the previous seasons and this and has major significance for the show's future. Watch for the orange backpack in the last half of the season. It most definitely means something. I just don't know what yet. <laughs> it's important. I'm not sure why. Pay attention to this area. Could, could it just be that they like sort of this ongoing uh, Easter egg of the orange backpack being on the show, whether it's even the same one or not? Yes, of course they do. That's absolutely what it is. So it's and not. I, I, I noticed it and I didn't, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned it in the, uh, in the recap, but I did notice. I'm like, hey, the orange backpack. Well, it's not the orange backpack, but it's a orange backpack. Well, that's kind of how I look at it, right? Like it's, it's an orange backpack and that's a thing in this show. It may or may not be important to the story, but it's important to the people who are watching and paying attention because they can sit around like you and me and go, oh, look, another orange backpack. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Right. And I'm okay with that. I like that. If the orange backpack is not, I mean, I, I can't really see a way how it can be incorporated in a truly meaningful way into the actual story of the show, other than it's used at times to uh, give us insight into characters, personalities, or perspectives, right? When, when um, Carl and Michonne and Rick didn't help the hitchhiker and we saw the orange backpack, you know, they, they stole it. Yep. I mean, that tells us something about those characters at that time, right? It does, yeah. 
and then when it shows up in other places it may have the same effect so uh, i think that's enough that, that's enough for you know the uh what the orange backpack can do yeah exactly and i like it and i'm sure it's not gonna be the last time we see it we'll probably see another one at some point down the road i'm sure okay here's a call from barbara Oh, hi, Chris and Jason. Uh, this is Barbara. Um, I'm going to try to do this in two two parts. I'll try to be, keep it short, but I tend to go on. Um, okay, this episode, uh, the mid-season finale, had me chagrined. I take back everything I said about Carol last week. That that scene in the woods with Carol and Daryl was, uh, it just said it all. I'm not sure why I was so frustrated with the character, but uh, that scene just really where... Uh, it, it was just so humanizing and just so real and they played it so well. And uh, to the entire episode I found was just very emotional and really harkened back to, you know, I guess the time before. So from Sadiq's funeral to the conversations um, between Aaron and Gamma, Gabe and Rosita, Michonne and Judith, and Michonne and Virgil even, and of course, Carol and Daryl, and uh, really just empathized with the character. Okay, thank you. Bye. Yeah, thanks, Barbara. I, I totally agree. And that's one of the things I liked most about this episode, all of the different conversations and dialogue between the characters. I thought all of it was so well done from a writing perspective and from an acting perspective, uh, which, you know, on top of everything else in this episode that I thought was great, some of the action scenes and just the way the story has developed and come, uh, you know, come to a not a conclusion, but a climax in a way here. Um, it all worked really, really well for me. So uh, the scenes between Carol and Daryl, they're always pretty good together, but I think they were even better here. Uh, yeah, I think the it was nice to, to have all of that in this episode. And I think the overall, the episode was crafted really well, uh, except for the last thing. But yeah, overall, it was really good. Yeah, crafted is a good word, right? Like it was... It was written well. It was paced nicely. You you got resolution and development to various different storylines, like personal storylines amongst the characters, but also you feel like the overall kind of threat of everything and the whispers is is moving forward. So it was just really really well done until some poor decisions in the final scene. Uh -huh. um, but you know that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, it is. You just, you can't hold it together for the whole, uh, for the whole thing. Just at the end, you just, you, you, you drop the ball at the 10 yard line. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Hopefully pick it up again and make up those 10 yards and get your touchdown. <laughs> yeah, right? Hopefully. I, I, I don't know the football very well, so. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully you uh, haven't, I don't know, get a, get a goal somehow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Score a basket, no matter what you're trying to do. And, That's right. uh, you know, kick it home. That's right. Exactly. Exactly right. All, All right. right. Next, we have an email from Rob, uh, in dark, wet and windy Oxfordshire, UK. Rob writes, how on earth did that many people fall down to an, into a cave and not make a sound? Not an ouch, an oof, or an, ah, or a look out, Daryl, it's a trap. <laughs> or should I do that as Admiral Akbar? <laughs> Look out, Errol, it's a trap. I'm horrible at Admiral Akbar. Anyway, he continued, Rob continues, if I trip up a single step at home, I'm letting out a yelp. If I fall into a hole, I'm going to scream like I'm on a roller coaster. Yeah, well, it, it was. And the other weird thing about that was, uh, it once we, once Daryl falls into the hole, it kind of feels like they all fell in together because... We see him fall down, he comes crashing down, there's stones and rocks like sliding down with him. And when he gets to the bottom, everybody else is sort of still standing up. So even though they ran in a long time before him, really, it felt like they all kind of ended up at the bottom of the hole at the same moment or really just before him. So yeah, it was one of those things that, that just added to the, my overall poor feelings about the scene. <laughs> I can, I can understand that, you know, uh, and, and kind of also explains or attempts to explain why we didn't hear anyone go, ah, I fell in a hole, watch out, you know, <laughs> but what can you do? 
Uh, Ashton from H-Town, Texas, writes, three-hole Daryl. Daryl fell down a hole with Rick. Daryl yep. pushed Beta down a hole or an elevator shaft. Daryl falls into a hole full of zombies. You would think that a master tracker who is currently tracking somebody with this much experience with holes would know better. You would think he understands the pitfalls of working near holes. <laughs> Are holes Daryl's weakness? All I can say is keep this guy away from the golf course and keep up the great work. Later, a-holes. <laughs> Why keep him away from the golf course? He'd be great at the golf course, putting everything down a hole. <laughs> I guess so, except unfortunately it's usually himself. Uh, but yeah. yeah, if he could transfer the falling into holes skill to the golf ball. Well, it's very Zen, right? Become the ball, be the ball. Oh, there you go. Right? See? So if he's, if he combines his, uh, you know, his ability for Zen, which I don't know if he has and his ability for holes, you know, he could be like, uh, like Hawkeye. I played nine holes. I shot a nine. <laughs> I shot a nine. Yeah. <laughs> Three hole Daryl. Nine hole yeah. Daryl. <laughs> nine hole Daryl. <laughs> I like that. All right, next we have an email from Paul in England. Let me just say that if I'm ever amongst the first of a group to run into a cave and fall down a zombie hole, you can bet your ass I'd be shouting out, hey, be careful, it's a zombie hole, to anyone that I thought might be following. You know it's plot contrivance. I know it's plot contrivance, but you think someone would have been shouting out to warn the others. Yeah, and this is kind of uh, the same thing. You, you, you got to warn people. If you fall down a hole and it's dark, and you are still alive, maybe you'd let them know. Or, yeah. or maybe they could, those zombies were pretty loud. Like maybe they couldn't be heard over the zombies. Making all that uh, noise. Well, maybe the, then Daryl could have heard the zombies and go, whoa, there's a lot of zombies down there. Well, that's the other thing. It was perfectly silent while he was creeping into that cave and then he falls down and it's pretty loud. So, how deep do we think it is? There's no real indication, is there? Uh, it's like six miles deep. It's got to be. Like if it's that far down and it's so, so deep into the ground that it's actually lit, that means it's deep enough for magma. So it's got to be, it's got to be down near the, uh, the crust of the earth. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's got to be really far. I don't know. Yeah, they just, they, they, they did a cut there. Daryl was falling for like three and a half hours. Oh, geez, that would take a long time. <laughs> so, yeah. That explains why he couldn't hear anything. He's too busy falling. He's like, holy shit, this is a deep hole. Does this hole ever end? My God. Hopefully it's yeah. not an infinite no bottom hole. Oh, yeah. That would be bad. All right. Well, Dan in North Plainfield, New Jersey wrote in, and he started his email with a, a full paragraph on how dumb the ending was and so on. But I do feel like we've covered that. So... I'm going to move on to one final point he makes, and that is, it was a mine shaft, at the entrance at least. There were wooden beams bracing it. I also suspect this underground complex is huge, and our intrepid heroes actually did find the herd. It's the Underdark. The Underdark? Explain. It's the Underdark. Uh, the Underdark is, uh, you know, a D&D thing. It's ah. the world under the world. The, the There's a cave system under the world that is so complex that it goes on forever, just like the surface world does. It's the Underdark, and that's where the drow live. The, okay. The city's in the Underdark. Well, maybe we are uh, that, act that deep, and that's why it can hold an entire tens of thousands of strong herd, right? Yeah, I would think so. But what about the idea that it's a mine shaft? It's not a mine shaft. It can't be a mine shaft Why because not? it's too wide open. Mine shafts are not wide open. They're like shafts, either vertical or whatever. But because you don't open up some big cathedral type thing down in uh, under the earth because uh, it'll just collapse on you. Mm -hmm. But w what if the just the entrance is an entrance to a mine shaft and it led to this underground cavern that we they didn't know was there when they were digging it, for example? So they broke into the Underdark and they've discovered that it's the Underdark three miles down. All right. Fair enough. No, it's, the cave is absolutely ridiculous. There's no redeeming qualities to the cave whatsoever. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, really, that's the only uh, conclusion we've come to so far. So. Yeah. So I guess Dan's right that uh, it did, the entrance is a mine shaft, but this is not a mine no, no. Unless I'm not, it's the mines of Moria. 
<laughs> of course, I'm sure I'm sure it's something like that. But you're right. I never was going to say that where they ended up was an actual mine, but it did look like the opening was some sort of uh, not non-natural formation, right? Like built by yeah. humans, boards, entrance to something, and then it leads to where they ended up. Yeah. All right. All right. So next we have a call from Trisha. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Trisha calling from Boston, Massachusetts, U.S. of A. So I wanted to call in about the cave. And what I think they should have done is Carol should have seen Alpha through the woods. And Alpha should have started walking away, triggering Carol to chase after, which then, of course, everybody else would do. And they should have fallen through some kind of like a covered trap door that put them on a slide down into that cave space. That could have given Daryl an opportunity to try to call out because, of course, his tracker eyes would have seen something happening, kind of like he had stopped them with the other um, bear trap that they came across. And, of course, he wouldn't catch them in time. They would have gone tumbling down. He would have run over to the hole in the ground, rolled his eyes and realized, oh, I have to go in after them, and then scooted himself down a slide into the space that they are now stuck in. So anyway, I think that would have made more sense. It wouldn't have made Carol look like such a uh, fool and getting everybody else in danger. And it still would have given Daryl the opportunity to try and save the day from themselves. So that's my thoughts. I love listening to you guys while I'm out and about during the week. Please don't ever leave me. Uh, talk soon. Thank you, Trisha. We will do our best to never leave you. Uh, I think her idea there actually is a pretty good one. It, it is a good one. And I was thinking that the, the best course of action here, I think, is for Trisha, for you to write a letter to Angela Kang uh, explaining your idea to her. And then don't forget to put on a time-traveling postmark so that the letter goes back in time so that Angela Kang will get it in time to modify the show before it airs. Right. And our brains will all be erased or the, the new yeah. memory will be replaced and none of this would have ever happened. Yeah. That time-traveling tra stamp will cost you an extra dollar, but I think it's worth it in the end. <laughs> I think it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. But to have them fall into a trap that they didn't see coming... Um, or at least most of them didn't see coming to have Daryl see it, try to yell out to stop them, but it's, it's he's too late. And then have Daryl purposefully go down, hoping he can, you know, enact a rescue of some kind yeah. that would have worked better. I agree. Yeah. I want to see that. I want to see that show. So that would solve your problem with the cave, but not mine. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and that'd be good enough for me. I'd li I could live with that. Okay. At least there weren't, Double problems. There was only the single problem. Yeah. Okay. I would. Yeah. Yeah. As long as some somebody's problems get solved. Yeah, that's all we really want. Uh, here's another call from Damien. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. This is Damien from the Isle of Man. Yeah, I couldn't get over that ending. It was just ridiculous. It maybe would have been more believable if had Carol gone in, fallen down, shouted for help, and then the whispers come round the backside of the cave and push the other guys down into the cave you know, force them in, that would have been a lot more believable. It's some of the writing, I just I just can't get my head around of it. But yeah, anyways, that was my only thought. But like you said, the, the whole episode was brilliant. The season's been good, but that ending was terrible. Sometimes it just, it just made me want to stop watching. But I can't help it. I'm, every time it comes back around, I'm there again to watch the next part of the season. So I'm here till the end. Thanks, guys. You do an amazing job anyway. And see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Damien. So another possible solution, have yeah. somebody fall in and then have everybody else pushed in. Yeah, no, that would work. I think you, me, Trisha and Damien should start a podcast called We Could Fix That and then, you know, watch really crappy stuff and then come up with ideas on how to fix it. It's not a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're ever looking for podcast ideas... That's a pretty good one. <laughs> All right. For some creative people, you know, we could fix that. <laughs> we could fix that. Yeah. Just fix bad writing mistakes. Yeah. There you go. I mean, there's a lot, there's plenty. I mean, there's a vast library of things going back through time that you could, you know, look at. Yeah. We might need to bring in a professional writer of some kind just for 
you know, street cred. Nah, come nah. on. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we had street cred when we started this show. No, and do we, do we now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're just two guys on the internet, you know? Just two guys, exactly. Uh, but Damien also, you know, said he keeps coming back to this show despite some problems. Um, Damien, listen, the show's been great for a season and a half now. And no matter what happens, you're in, we're in, we're, we're going all the way, baby. So Yeah, and Trisha, we're not leaving you. And we're not leaving Trisha either, so... Yeah. So we're here. We are here and we are here for the duration, whether it's 12 seasons or 112. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. <laughs> as true as we can make that anyway. As, yeah, as true as we can make that. All right. Next, we have an email from Caroline in Scotland. Chris. Yeah? I hope this makes you feel better about the ending of what was an awesome episode. If you rewatch the Dante interrogation scene in the infirmary, Carol asks him what his plan was. His reply, to encourage your paranoia about us, which will push you into bad decisions. He even points at Carol uh, when he says this. This line seems to stand out and, and foreshadows the ending. It helps me, and I hope it helps you to put their bad decision at the end down to Dante's legacy. Caroline's email yep. is the one that makes me actually feel a little bit better about the ending because she's totally right. Dante's whole point, and I didn't think of this until she wrote that, but Dante's whole point was to come in there stoke the fire of paranoia and start having them make bad decisions. The ending was a bad decision and you can chalk it up to Carol's obsession with finding Alpha and she's not thinking straight. She's not thinking through her actions like she normally would. And I like it a little bit better because it was seeded into the episode. And of course, looking, you know, projecting back, that's what Dante's been doing this whole time. So not only is it making them, you know, fall into some bad decisions, but it's, uh, it's, it's introducing tension between the characters because they can't always agree on what to do. And that just heightens it even more. So Caroline, thank you. I think this is, uh, you know, an amazing point and it does make me feel a little bit better about what happened at the end. Good. Hopefully there's somebody, somebody down here that'll make me feel better about the, how that cave looks. <laughs> yeah. I have a bad feeling about that, but, uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just, I, you know, this, the, Caroline is, is absolutely right. And for everyone that didn't like this ending, I hope that her point here has the same effect on them because although I still don't love it, I do see how the show was putting it all together or at least attempting to right by right. introducing paranoia and then making our characters do things that they normally wouldn't do. And that's, that's a very real thing. You know, people under duress don't, uh, aren't always of sound mind and make mistakes. They do make mistakes. So amazing, amazing stuff. All right. Uh, here's a call from Kate in San Francisco. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is regarding the scene where Judith was saying she was writing down everything that was happening. And you guys talked about how this was a new thing that, um, anyway, yeah, no one was writing stuff down. And actually when I saw that, I was remembering Milton and how he was writing stuff down. Good old Milton from the days of the governor. There was that one scene where Milton and Herschel were sitting outside and Rick and the governor were talking, negotiating, I guess, and Andrea was all mad because she wasn't included. And um, Milton pulls out his little book and asks to see Herschel Stump. And Herschel said, well, you need to take me out to dinner first. And it was pretty great because Walking Dead isn't often funny. And anyway, and Milton said he was recording everything. And anyway, that I guess it has happened, and but nothing ever came of that. And I guess they could dig up Milton's little book at some point, but it seems unlikely. And I do hope they do something with Judith's um, recorded version of history. And anyway, today's American Thanksgiving, and happy Thanksgiving, even though you're Canadian and someone has to live in Canada, right? And I'm glad you guys are doing the podcast. And uh, thanks for everything. All right, take care. Bye. Thank you so much, Kate. Uh, yeah, indeed, someone does have to live in Canada, and it's us. 
I don't necessarily agree. I don't think anybody has to live here. Well, we don't make people live here. We don't force people. Yeah. I mean, we welcome a lot of people. Yeah, we do. Which but I nobody, think nobody has to. No, 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 no. We're we're not that kind of group. No, except for maybe prisoners. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if, if you commit a crime in this country, yeah, you probably have to live here for a little while. Yeah, and if you if you get sentenced to prison, then uh, you have to live here. You have to live specifically there. Yeah, you do indeed. That's right. But uh, you and I and the most of the general population can do whatever we want. <laughs> Somebody should live here. Yeah, frankly, <laughs> I we, like living here. It's yeah, my, me too. So we're, I'm good with it. It's my favorite place to live. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Uh, what else? Did <laughs> and Kate? I think uh, I think all the calls should uh, should start that way with uh, hi. <laughs> Just the, the sound effects. It, it made me happy. Yeah, except I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> no. <laughs> I clean things up like that usually. No, don't clean that up. Now you got to cut this out too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just making Shit. my life harder. <laughs> uh, I refer to it like three more times. So what else did Kate say in her message? Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> no, we got stuck on minutia. <laughs> oh, that's never happened before. <laughs> Kate was speaking about Judith writing everything down and... You know, and how Milton was also doing that. If you remember Milton way back. Yeah. The thing about this is Judith is a pivotal character on this show. Milton, well, turns out not so much. So his journal, while I'm sure it was important to him and maybe important at the time, it's long gone. It's never coming back. But Judith's journal is going to play a big role moving forward, I think. I think someone is loving Milton's journal somewhere. Somehow somebody got a hold of it and, uh, they're, they're pouring over it line by line. Yeah. It. Yeah, maybe. Um, but we're never going to see them do that. No, that's never going to be part of this show and therefore will never actually exist. No, of course. None of these people actually exist, right? No. Wait, are you, what do you mean? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, um, the joke about, Hey, Herschel, can I see your stump? No, you got to buy me dinner first. I did. <laughs> It is pretty funny. <laughs> it is pretty funny. When someone asks to see your stump, make sure you get something out of it too. Well, that that's my standard response. Or uh, when I was in uh, the pipe band and I'd be wearing a kilt to wherever parades or uh, pipe band competitions, uh, you know, people would, you know, sometimes ask you, you know, what do you wear under there? And the standard answer is, give me your hand, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, listen, I have a question for you. Do you yeah. still own a kilt? That's not the answer I wanted. I didn't own the kilt that I wore in the pipe end, uh, any oh. of the pipe ends, because uh, kilts are prohibitively expensive. Like oh. each kilt, there was a the little old lady, a Scottish lady, wonderful, wonderful woman that made all the kilts for the pipe end that I was in. Uh, and so, you know, it was tailored to me. So it was my kilt, but I didn't own it because the kilt, she spent like 80 to 100 hours per kilt making, making it, uh, and having to buy all the materials, it would easily cost $5,000 for these kilts. Jeez. And there was no way I could afford anything like that. And so when I left the pipe band, I gave them back my uniform. Oh, wow. That's, I had no idea. Kilts are quite the, uh, artistic Well, I'm endeavor. sure they're not as nice as the ones made by this little old Scottish lady, uh, in the Sioux. You know, they're, so they're not lovingly poured over like she did, but, uh, yeah, no, I did not own my kilt. I do not own a kilt. I still have a snare drum. I bought, I found at a garage sale. I found a snare drum, uh, from a pipe end and I bought it. Mm -hmm. Well, good. I have, I have that. I, I was just hoping we could get a picture of you in a kilt, but. Oh, I got pictures. Well, we'll have to Post. throw one up then. I can dig out a picture of me in a kilt. That shouldn't be a problem. Exciting. I look, I look like I'm 12 years old. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you don't look a yeah. day over 18 now, so it's fine. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> All right, where the hell are we? Next is Alex, and it's you. Okay, so we have an, uh, an email from Alex in London. Once again, there are no doctors. I wonder if this will have a wider implications in the second half of the season, or we'll simply get another brand new one in this never-ending tradition. Yeah, think about it, man. They killed two doctors in two episodes. Yep. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, they'll find another one. They they do just seem to keep showing up, but over the years, boy, have they got rid of a lot of them. Yeah. 
whatever happened to, to the, uh, I forget her name, the lady that was in charge of all the canned goods in the garage there. There's only one of her, right? And she's still probably kicking around. Right. But doctors are a dime a dozen. <laughs> yes. They, they come, it's like, pff, you know, we kill off doctors. That's no problem. We'll find another one. They just show up. Another one will just show up at the gate tomorrow. Yeah. It seems yeah, to be the they, way it goes. They just walk in. Except now you can't trust anybody. So you got to be careful letting them in. They're going to have to breed their own doctor. Yes, they are, which they've also tried. They tried to turn Enid into a doctor and she didn't work out so well. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. So even trying to be a doctor is a deadly profession. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, don't be a doctor. That's what I take away from all this. In The Walking Dead. In The Walking Dead. In in our universe, our world, be a doctor. We need more doctors. Always. Pretty good profession. Okay. Here's a call from uh, our friend Lee in St. Catharines. Hey, Chris and Jason, uh, Lee and St. Catharines, and I got a couple things to discuss for the world before for your feedback. Um, first off, hamsters eat their young. If there's anything wrong with them, they'll get rid of runts. So, yes, Jason, some animals eat their young. Um, so, Dante killed Cheryl, and he put a pillow over her face and it takes like four minutes to kill someone that way. Anyone could have came in on him while doing that, but whatever. And then he had to stab her in the head so she wouldn't turn. Why didn't he just stab her in the head? She's an old lady in bed. Here's two seconds. She's not going to know. And hey, if someone walks in, you can be like, oh, well, she turned and I had to, you know, stop her from, she died and I had to stop her from turning. But that's cool. Um, Also, now with Enid gone, Dante gone, and Sadiq gone, none of the places have a doctor. Not one. There's been 17 doctors in both fear and this. There's never been one dentist. I want to see someone die from like, uh, an abscess tooth or something because there's no dentist. We have to bring a fucking dentist in. And I got a bit of a nitpick. Um, they're the posts that were on the bridge between Gamma and Aaron. How the fuck were those standing up? There was like seven baseball-sized rocks around it, and that was holding that eight-foot post straight up. I'm calling bullshit. Like, if you're going to use an iron plate to hold it, they have those in the zombie apocalypse. Just put an iron plate under it. Like, make it look real. Stop fucking lying to us. You guys do an awesome job. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing this feedback. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Thank you, Lee. There's a lot to unpack there. The, you know, I was just going to say exactly the same thing. There's a lot to unpack. So uh, <laughs> first of all, thanks for the information about uh, hamsters eating their young. But they're hamsters. Uh, they don't follow the same rules as the rest of reality. Uh, no, I guess they don't. But I think other rodents do that too. They eat their young sometimes. Well, yeah, I guess if you really don't care about them and you're hungry. Well, basically, or you're, you, you eat, as Lee said, the runts, like the little ones that may have a problem or have a low chance of survival anyway. So you just like, you know what? You're not going to make it. So I'm going to turn you into dinner. Yeah. Well, that, I guess that turns out to be the, uh, kind of a philosophy in the walking dead as well. Right. Uh, you know, if you're not going to make it, might as well kill him. I mean, why did Dante have to kill that, uh, kill what's her name? Cheryl? Uh, Cheryl. Why did he kill her? Yeah, that's a kind of a good question. What was his motivation to kill her there? Okay, so Lee says that, uh, a couple things here. Uh, Lee says that it takes like four minutes to kill somebody that way. Lee, that's an awfully specific number, and I'm wondering where you got that number from. Good question, but <laughs> I don't know if I want to pose it. <laughs> I think it would be a lot longer than four minutes, but that's just me. Uh, second of all, uh, you know, why not stab her in the head? That's a very good point, but you're missing the, what if Dante did it for the sheer enjoyment of it? You know, I, it's been a long time since I've been able to smother an old lady with a pillow and I do like that sort of thing. So I'm going to do that and then stab her in the head because I don't want her to come back and zombie and be a zombie and give me away. Yeah. The thing is, I was thinking, um, it's, it might be more difficult to actually stab a living human being in the head like right in front of you like that who is in such a vulnerable position it it maybe is slightly more less personal if you put a pillow over their face and smother them first i i don't know and he's also a whisperer he's kind of a bad guy uh but you know maybe he was unable to do the knife to the head before she was actually dead so it was because of a moral problem? I can't believe we're talking about this, but kind of, yeah. Okay, so the what I just thought of is maybe it's a forensic issue. If I stab her in the head while she's alive, she's going to bleed, right? Because her heart is pumping and it's going to pump the blood out of her head and it's going to get all over the place. But if I wait till she's dead, 
then stabbing her in the head, the wound won't bleed. And it'll seem like I only killed her to prevent her from becoming a zombie instead of I killed her while she was alive. Okay. That could be I, it I don't too. know if they have that level of forensic analysis at, uh, in Alexandria, but, uh, could be. They're a smart bunch. It could very well be something like that. Hadn't thought of that either. So no, it just, it just came to me. Maybe that was the thing, but that's, yeah, I guess either he enjoys that kind of thing or it's a forensic thing or it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Could, could be any of those things. All right. What about dentists? Do we need a dentist or we, do we need someone who, who's going to die from an infected tooth? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Maybe you have better luck as a dentist. I mean, you come in, treat people's dental problems. Maybe a few other minor things that are face or jaw related, and and uh, maybe you'll live longer than the average doctor. Maybe the doctors take care of all that kind of thing. Maybe they don't need a dentist because the doctors double as dentists, double dentist duty. <laughs> yeah, the triple D. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they do that. Maybe they need a dentist as well as a doctor and or a doctor or somebody. Right. Or maybe they just you know pull each other's teeth for fun. They could do that too. How hard can my, dentistry really be? Come on. My my, <laughs> my tooth hurts. Oh, have a seat. Let me pull it out for you. I got some pliers right here. Just sit still for a second. No, no, you don't need pliers. You just need a, you need a chisel and a ball peen hammer. Oh, God. That sounds That'll, that'll knock that thing right out of your face. Yeah, I bet it will. <laughs> All right. And finally, what about the bridge posts? They're standing there up, up with tiny little rocks around them instead of metal plates, which they should have just used. Maybe they were ultra dense rocks and they each weighed like 35 pounds. Well, maybe they were just like very well straight cut posts and they stood on their own. <laughs> just stood up. Yeah. You can balance shit. I mean, if they can balance a bunch of rocks on top of each other, uh, you can balance a pole on, the, on a bridge and yeah. then put a rock beside it. Yeah. I, to be honest, I didn't go back and look. I don't have an image in my mind of how thick these things were. So if they're like little thin twigs that would blow over in the wind, yeah, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. But if they're thicker, I mean, if it was like a telephone pole size thing, you could stand that up on its end. It would, f- no, but it's a nice thought. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, these things would absolutely fall over. I do have an image of it in my mind and uh, it would absolutely fall over. But yeah, you I mean, you could weld them to a plate, but then you'd have to have a welder, but you could probably hit a, uh, a hardware store and buy some quick set cement. And what you do is you put cement in a bucket and you put a pole in the cement. That works when too. It, when it dries, it's, you got yourself a pole that stands up on its own. Yeah, you, you sure do. So lots of things they could have done. Yeah. Absolutely. I would have, yeah, I would have gone with the Home Depot bucket with uh, quick dry cement and a, uh, a broom handle. Perfect. That's a perfectly good, uh, border marker. I would think so. All right. Well, thank you, Lee, for all those points. Uh, the next two emails here, Jason, we're going to do together, but who's going to read them? Me or you? Uh, you go ahead. All right. This is Michael on the internet. Michael writes, Hey, Jason and Chris. Do you think Michonne is essentially sailing away into the Walking Dead movies? Do you think Rick is on this mysterious island? Will Michonne ever return to Alexandria? All right. And then Andy on Facebook writes, I wonder if Virgil has met Rick Grimes on his travels and will lead Michonne's, uh, lead to Michonne's departure. Still not seeing the awesome scene with Michonne pointing Lucille, Lucille 2 at someone. So I guess she's coming back for a brief stint before leaving for the foreseeable future. Okay, so it's public knowledge that Denai Guerrero is leaving the show this season. Michonne is moving on to other things. Well, Denai is moving on to other things. We don't know what's going to happen to Michonne. But it does maybe feel like this is the start of the end for her, right? She's sailing away to somewhere else. We, we don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea if, if while she's gone, she's going to factor into the Walking Dead movies in some way. We don't even know how long she's going to be gone for. But as Andy points out, we haven't seen that scene from the trailer yet where she's holding Lucille or Lucille 2. So presumably she's got to do that still. She's got to come back and do that some point uh, somewhere. So um, I don't think she's going to be gone that long. I don't really think that this trip is going to directly tie into the movies, but it could be related in some way. And I also, um, and I also don't think, well, I also know that she's going to be in the second half of this season and then that's it. So 
If it's one more episode or eight more, I'm not sure, but it's interesting to speculate on. So she's, uh, Denai Guerrero's gone after this season. Is that right? She is. Some, at some point this season will be her last episode. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me, but I think she will be back simply because of that scene from the trailer. I think, uh, Andy's right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's going to be back. I mean, we have no context for that scene, really. It could be a, it could be a dream. It could be, you know, all <laughs> kinds of things, right? She could sail away to this island and never return to the mainland. Who knows? You know, we don't even know anything about Virgil's, um, life there. He's just said he's trying to get back to his family, but maybe there's a hundred other people living there with him. Maybe it's a whole community, you know, we don't know. So, you know, it's, it could be all kinds of different things and it could have something to do with the Rick Grimes movies or totally nothing to do with it at all. And, you know, this is all for naught. I don't know. I don't know. These are all very good questions. And I, I like the way Michael uh, posed these, uh, posed these questions. Do you think Michonne is sailing away from into the walking dead movie? Do you think Rick is on a mysterious Island? Will Michonne ever return to Alexandria? You ever see that? Uh, you remember that show from the might've been late seventies, early eighties soap. It was called. I remember it sort of. Yeah. So it was, uh, a play on, like it was a comedy based, uh, it was, uh, satiring, uh, soap operas. Yeah. And so the, the, at the end of the, of each episode, they would ask questions like this in a mocking manner. And I loved that show. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely amazing. I used to watch that show back to back with WKRP. So it'd be WKRP and then the end theme song for WKRP, which is my favorite song I've ever written. And then soap would start. It was, uh. It was the best power hour of television I've ever had in my life. Well, that's, that's funny because I use that like question motif for when I post our feedback episodes most of the time. The description yep. I put with the episode on the website is usually three questions. Um, and then I finish it with something like, you know, tune in for the answers to these questions and a whole oh, lot perfect. more kind of. And I usually put two kind of serious ones and one sort of goofy one usually related to some sort of tangent we go off on. So it's a common uh, thing and nice. it's funny that it's come up now. <laughs> it's funny that uh, we've just outed me as never reading the website. Well, sorry, but you know, you should <laughs> maybe try once in a while. Why would I go to the website? You're here all I the mean, time anyway. Uh, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I never listen to uh, episodes. I rarely do. I've listened to the few, uh, a few episodes here and there, but I never go to the website. Nah. Because it's just stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Don't be like Jason, everyone. Go to the website once in a while. <laughs> yeah. There's only one me and I'm the mistake that uh, is doing this wrong. <laughs> it's all right. And I'm the only one. The only one. Yeah. All right. Next, we've got an email from Mike in Cambridge, Ontario. Mike says, I think they missed a big opportunity in the mid-season finale. When Daryl lights a smoke, they should have had Dante turn to him and say, come on, man, we're in a hospital. What are you, some kind of animal? There you go. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny because the the whisperers sort of pretend and or act like animals. <laughs> yeah, but animals don't smoke. Or few of them do. Very few animals smoke. Very, very few animals smoke, but it would have been funny to have Dante make a comment <laughs> like that. It would uh, be. You know, just because. <laughs> he's, nope. he, he's, he's this bad guy, but he's still a doctor and you don't smoke in hospitals. No, you don't. And, uh, I've, you know, when I was younger, I often thought, uh, you know, I was of, often wondering why dogs don't smoke. You know why you can't teach a dog to smoke? Why, Jason? They can't pucker. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Otherwise, right. people would have taught dogs to smoke by now. I mean, people have taught monkeys to smoke, right? They can pucker. Yeah. They got the lips that can do the thing, but the dogs, I don't think they can pucker. What is wrong with humanity in that we're teaching animals to smoke cigarettes? Like, I mean, probably not so much anymore, but there was a time. Yeah. Well, it's because we like to think that animals are uh, funny when they're acting like humans. Mm. It's not so we teach monkeys to do stuff because they're the most like humans and we can teach them to smoke or drink a beer or ride a bicycle or, you know, roller skate yeah. or... You know, sign language. Teach, sign, teach. sign language is good, though. You can teach a monkey to sign language. That's I mean, okay. I, I'm I'm a little more okay with teaching a monkey to ride a unicycle, too. But smoking and drinking, not not good for monkeys. 
Yeah. You know, there was a, a research study. I, I'm i pulling this out of my ass. I think I just heard this. Uh, uh, so it may or may not be true, but I believe it to be true. There was a study where they started teaching uh, a tribe of monkeys about money and they started giving them coins and they would, uh, you know, teach the monkey, if you give me back the coin, I'll give you something else. And, and uh, you know what, one of the first things that the monkeys used the money for? Um, no, what? Prostitutes. They gave money to a monkey to have sex with them. Oh my God. I thought you were just going to say that the money just made the monkey's entire community fall apart, which wouldn't surprise me too much, but. Nope. It was, uh, it was prostitution. Hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> monkeys and humans aren't that different. <laughs> no, you, you got something to trade for sex and somebody wants to trade that for sex, then there's going to be a sex trade. Yes, there is. All right, what the hell's going on here? Next, we have an email from Andy in the UK. A friend of ours has a couple of pigs who had babies. The mummy pig ate her own piglets. I guess the smell of bacon just got to be too much for her. Oh, zing. So apparently pigs eat their young too. Yeah, but I'm sure she didn't cook them first, right? <laughs> no, probably not. Because <laughs> if a pig cooked her young before eating them, yeah, that'd be both amazing, disgusting, gross, and really weird all rolled into one. Yeah, absolutely. Delicious, delicious package? One delicious package. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so pigs eat, eat eat their own babies. Or have a pig at one point oh, sorry. has. This pig. Yeah. This pig ate her piglets. Plural. Right. Okay, so maybe, I'm not sure what was going on there, but plural? Well, <laughs> this is one demented pig. Well, it depends on how many nipples you have too, right? If you have, uh, you know, if you have six nipples and you have eight babies- what are you going to do? You got to eat two of them, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the rule, I think. Yeah. That really sucks for people who have triplets. Well, I think, you know, once again, humans are different. And the third baby, you teach it to smoke, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, listen, we got one more email and a call here. And thankfully, this next email actually relates to the show because I feel like things have gone off the rails a little bit. A little bit here I, and there. A little bit more than usual, actually. Maybe it's just no. because, well, I don't know. But anyways, Tommy in Jacksonville, Florida wrote in and said, I'm going to nitpick you guys a little. The last couple of podcasts, you guys have said that Lydia ran back to Alpha and the Whisperers. That's not true. Lydia said that Carol used her like her mother did, therefore is going off by herself, not back to the Whisperers. But she crossed the border. Well, this is the thing. I don't think it's clear. Either way, my assumption was that Lydia was like, you know what? You guys seem like you have it all together here, but you don't. So all else being equal, I'm going to go and live with my mother, who's my blood relative, who's my family, instead of being with you guys, even though you, it seems like you have things better. Now, I may be wrong about that, and maybe I'm missing something, but that's what I got out of it. She was going back to the Whisperers, and you're right. She went over the border into their territory rather than just going off on her own in the, you know, non-Whisperer territory. Right. So does the Whisperer territory surround everybody else's or can they go, she go the other way? Well, that's also a good question. It, they make it seem on the show like it surrounds them. You know, they have this little pocket that they are in, but they can't get out. I don't feel like that is really all that possible or practical like the whispers don't have a big circle around them they must have you know our characters must be able to go one way and just keep going and not fringe and whisper territory so lydia could have done that presumably but she didn't she went over the border and is gone so i don't know yeah so i'm not entirely sure where she went but it makes sense when you say it, that she went back to the Whispers, but it also makes sense that she didn't go back to the Whispers. So uh, it's a crapshoot at this point. She yeah. just went that way. I would agree with that, that there's, you could definitely uh, get the idea that she's, she's fleeing from both groups now at this point. Um, and, and, and maybe the fact that Daryl decided that once they went to the, where the herd was and it wasn't there, he, his idea was let's go find Lydia. Like, let's go get her back. Maybe that is an indicator that she didn't go back to the Whisperers because she'd still be on her own. He wants to find her and convince her to come back to their side. And I think maybe if she was back embedded with the Whisperers, he probably would be like, you know what? We can't go find her. She's with them again, you know? So 
There's evidence for both sides, I think. I don't know exactly what the deal is, but could be, you know, I don't know why. She, it's, she's not off the show, so we'll find out in the back half of the season. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't matter where she was planning on going. She's in that fucking cave. Right? <laughs> you think so? Why would she be in the cave? I don't. Everybody else is. Well, yeah, but they it's all a, fell in. It's a in. big cave. They all fell in together. I don't think she's in the cave. I think. She's in the cave. No. Or she's going to get them out of the cave. It's she's, it's going to be cave related wherever she decided to go. I agree with that. Maybe she might be instrumental in getting them out of the cave somehow. If this cave has been there for a long time and the whispers have just been waiting for their chance to use it, maybe Lydia knows about the cave. Maybe she knows where the back entrance is or whatever, you know? So yeah. Caves rarely only have one entrance, right? Right. Exactly. So I, now that you say that, I think Lydia could be involved in their rescue. You never know. Um, but whether she's with the whispers or not, I still don't think it's very clear. Part of me hopes that, uh, the entire back half of this season takes place in that cave. <laughs> that can't be true. <laughs> Can you imagine how angry I would be? Oh my God. Every episode would be just, oh, look how terrible this cave looks. I hate, I hate the fact that they're stuck on this soundstage. <laughs> Planet hell. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's hope that that's not true, but. Part of me, part of me, there's a little part of me that wants that to happen. All right. All right. Finally, finally, we get a call from Anwen. Yeah, I've never felt so finally about an episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, mid-season finale, season 10, The Walking Dead. Wow. I loved it. You know, you sometimes hear a kind of like a cliche or a saying or whatever, like being on the edge of your seat. I was completely physically on the edge of my seat for most of this episode. It was amazing. I really, really loved it. All the stuff at the beginning uh, with Sadiq. I'm with you, Chris. I did think for a moment that Sadiq had woken up and was still alive. I hadn't heard the zombie noises coming from the other room. So I was the same as you. I went, oh my God, he's alive. Oh no, he's a zombie. And it's really cool because we haven't seen one of our main characters be a zombie for a long time. So I loved that. The whole episode was awesome. Kind of agreeing with you a little bit on the cave at the end. A little bit implausible and it seemed like it's there for drama. Um, I do think it's possible to have massive caves with barely any entrance. We have a lot of those um, here in New Zealand. Look, there's another reason for you guys to come over. Um, but I think it was just a, a really good way for them to end the episode to make it dramatic and exciting and whatever. I can't wait to see what you guys do over the next couple of months. I hope you come up with some really cool topics to um, for us to listen to. I don't know how I would get through the summer without hearing you, Jason, going off on random tangents about photons and toilet paper and water and caves. So bring it on. I'll be here over the break and see you guys soon. Bye. Thank you, Anwen. So I just wanted to give her the last word there kind of because she summed up the episode, you know, and, and all the stuff we've talked about. Um, and, uh, then, um, invited us to New Zealand again, which is great. Uh -huh. So we're going to have to go one of these days. Um, and then talked and sort of asked about what we're going to do over the break, which the summer, we'll, well, her and then summer. she mentioned, and then the summer, that was, a, that was a little unsettling there for a second. I know. And then I remembered, oh yeah, there's another side of this planet that I've only been to like a few times <laughs> and, uh, it's different down there. Yeah. I've never been to the opposite side of the planet. Things are different down there. Um, so that, yeah, that's going to do it for the feedback and the calls and the emails. So thank you so much to everyone for writing in with your thoughts and comments. If, if you do send more stuff in, you know, we are going to be recording over the break so we can always include a little bit more feedback, um, it, you know, when, when we do that. Um, but, uh, what's going to happen now, I think is we'll do a podcast next week or worst case, uh, probably on the Tuesday, the week after next. And there's no new episode of the walking dead, of course, but we will still be around. And I think what we'll do is cover some walking dead news and then probably talk about the trailer for the third show that was released oh, yeah. uh, just a couple of days ago, because there's some things to discuss there. That show starts in the spring, but, um, we have some trailer goodness to talk about. Uh, so that's, what's going to happen. And then at some point we will review the thing. It sounds like that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be good. And I have a couple of other movies that I sort of wouldn't mind talking about 
at some point, uh, including, of course, Star Wars Episode Nine, which comes out just before Christmas. And we haven't missed a Star Wars yet, so we're going to have to talk about that too sometime. I say we, after I've seen it. After you've seen it, but you're gonna I have you're gonna have to see it. Come on. Uh, well, I haven't booked my tickets yet, so I'll have to see. Yeah. Well, you got to, man. We can't. We can't. No, I, skip I this understand. One. All right. I understand. I understand. We'll we'll figure that out. Um, you want tickets for your whole family, I assume, right? I, I have them. They're on my desk right here beside me right now. Yeah. All right. You wouldn't mind kicking out your wife and having me go instead, right? Or maybe one of your daughters. You mean the kids? That'd be fun. All right, then. Tell your wife that tonight. Jason's got to see it for the podcast. He hasn't bought his tickets yet. I'm sorry. I love you, but you're out. Go be <laughs> awesome over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to fly, but I'll let you know. All right. So that's what's going to happen over the next month or so. And then we've got January to figure something out. And of course, Walking Dead comes back in February, but I don't think until the end of February. So there's still some time there. Um, but anyways, uh, it's been great, everyone. The other thing you can do is I'm still going to be podcasting about The Mandalorian for another five weeks, I guess, because we've only done the first three episodes of that. So you have that too, if you want to, if you're watching The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and you want to listen to a podcast about it, check that out at podcastica.com. It's on the feed called House Podcastica, but it's our show about The Mandalorian. It's pretty fun and uh, I recommend checking it out. Uh, otherwise, thank you so much, everyone. If you don't stick around with us while we're on break, please do come back when The Walking Dead is back on. At that point, of course, we'll get back into our regular recaps and feedback shows, so it'll be just like normal. Um, and we look forward to having you then. In the meantime, you can, of course, send any questions or comments or whatever you have to us in all the usual ways. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail at the top to record a message into your computer. Visit our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead or send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right. So that's everything we got going on. It's all the ways to contact us. And I think that is going to bring us to the end. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.